Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk, crafting artisanal sawdust since 2007. Now here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It's show number 545. And on today's show, we're talking about cutting an angled mortise, what to do with the boulet cap, and using massive slabs for a workbench. But before we get to that, what will... <laughs> Sorry. My face hole doesn't work right now. Uh, before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before March 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Thanks for that, Mark. Okay. okay. And if you want to help support the show, you can totally do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. <laughs> I have to remember that people can see me now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm thinking that. Uh-oh. <laughs> Act natural. What do I do with my hands? What do I do with my hands? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Jay Wilkinson, Heron Garcia, Jeremy Moore, David Smith, and Dan Bojan. Bojan? Bojan. Bojan. Sounds good to me. Bohan. I like it. However you say it, it sounds great. All right. Well, you know what's kind of cool? You guys know that whole YouTube thing that we tried for a little bit? We did two episodes. Mm -hmm. I heard about that. And it was a trial. It was a little bit of a trial. Because a lot of people may not realize we have done video in the past. It was just a really long time ago. Uh, so long, in fact, it's I think when YouTube really just first launched their streaming uh, the whole feature, uh, we started to just stream the show live. Now, we don't honestly, to tell you guys the truth, we don't have interest in streaming the show live, um, <laughs> at least at this stage. So capturing it was like, OK, maybe we'll put that back on the menu, put the video up there. And the first two videos, I would call it a success. It was more views than I expected to see. Most other woodworking podcasts that put videos on YouTube have what I like to call why bother numbers. But oh, <laughs> wow. Ouch. And I'm only saying it's everybody else. I'm only saying that because wow. that's what I absolutely expected our show to have. I don't, I don't know how much appeal this kind of thing I don't has. Know this is people. getting any better. You keep talking and I don't know. I'm just thinking if my it's whole really getting any better for us. Just, just stop. <laughs> I, I will say I actually watched the show. Like I, I logged six miles on my treadmill during one of yeah, these shows. Did it make it so, run faster? You know? Like to get away from it? Uh, <laughs> the heart rate. Now, I can tell you that much. <laughs> a little bit higher than normal. Well, what I was looking at is just to see, like, is it really worth it to do it? It's. I understand people say, yeah, put it on YouTube. You, you just never know. You might get extra views and new people will find you. Um, it's a whole new platform for an audio show like that. But um, I was very surprised to see like really decent numbers, um, good interactions with people. And everyone did, um, you know, do what we asked. I said, if you're interested, you want to see this succeed, let us know about it. And they did. So I'm going to say this for now, at least we're going to continue 
doing the videos, as long as the numbers just look good and everybody seems to enjoy it, we're going to keep doing it for now. Um, I do want to send out a big thank you to Todd. Todd does all the editing for the Wood Whisperer and the Guild. And this was just an extra thing that he, I was able to throw on his plate and he didn't say no. Uh, so he is now doing all of that editing. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, we are trying to make it more than just our faces. I, I, I go through the show. I put in some extra time to listen and like go through this multiple times, which is really painful for me to do. But I look for those little moments of like a visual. There's something like you want to see Matt eating a giant bowl of seafood. Well, you got to go look at that episode if you want to see that picture. That was in there. I was. It was yep. in there. Yeah. So if I. If there's, there's a context. visual that I think is like relevant or, you know, cool to see, it's going to be there. So it's gonna, there will be something for you to listen to. Um, and also, if you um, I, I don't know if this is just the YouTube premium thing, but I know on mine you can minimize the app and the audio still plays. So even if you don't necessarily want to listen to the podcast, you can go play the video and just kind of glance at it when you have a chance. But if you just want to listen, almost like it's the just a regular podcast show, um, you can minimize the app and listen to it. So you kind of get the best of both worlds there. All right. So that's that. All right. Okay. Well said. Um, right. So, hey, Shannon, I forgot that it was, you know, kind of business stuff we should have talked about before, but we're going to have to incorporate that into like the each show reminding people that they can catch the show on YouTube so that, um, you know, we continue to okay. remind people. Okay. Make <laughs> that happen. I'll make that happen. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm okay. supposed to be doing here. Catch the show. Put, the I end. don't know. Put it at, at the, the end. end. Your yeah. whole thing. You are the caboose. Now I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. You got to so you put it in really your caboose. spell things out for me. I'm a hand tool woodworker. <laughs> Speak slowly. Uh, okay. Say yeah, it very slowly. Stipulate a lot. You know, with uh, fingers. A lot of yeah. grunting. <laughs> At bottom. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> grunting and pointing. Okay. Well, let's get to what's on the bench. Um, I've been focusing on a big assembly table, and it's, uh, it's a big boy. I had a little bit of space between um, uh, two rows of tools, my, my miter station and my jointer, and I decided that little walkway there had enough room to actually sustain like a four by eight assembly table. And I'm That's so looking big. forward to having such a nice, large assembly surface. Um, it's, it's not always something we can do. And most people, at least like me in my previous shops, um, I've, I will do the outfeed table, assembly table thing. And it's fine. It's fine. It's just like if you have the room, though, and you can have that dedicated assembly space, it's it's so awesome. It's so great. So it's going to be uh, nice for you because like. Even though when it gets full of crap, like you just shove it aside, you still have like a four by four assembly. It's table. a little more room. Yeah, you can kind that's, of that's compress from my mind the crap. I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> I can really yeah. easily just like clear off like an actual realistically like normal size area and still keep all my yeah. crap that should be put away on yeah. the table. You can do the great. arm sweep and it doesn't fall on the floor. You exactly. Got a little yeah. Bit more so arm sweep. I'll shove it all over there. Yeah. Add it to yeah. the pile. Yep. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. It's a plywood core top with some Formica, um, just giving me a little bit more protection and stuff that isn't going to absorb glue. The big, um, the big topic of conversation is why not a torsion box? Um, and we have, we've had shows on this. I know we've talked about this in the past. Um, the importance Definitely of flatness and, and like how flat something needs to be. So this is not a new thing that as far as like me changing my tune on that. Um, but as like one of the first people to put a torsion box on YouTube, I get that question a lot. Like, why not a torsion box? I was like, well, because I don't really need it. I honestly do not need it. And if this thing is not dead flat, it's going to be fine. It's going to be perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah, super excited about it. That will be a project we'll have on the free site. Oops, geez, big monkey here with the stupid flailing arms. Um so yeah, uh, that will be a project coming up soon. All, you know, construction grade lumber for the base and then just simple plywood for the top. So when I saw the pictures exciting. of it, I thought the legs were solid. I was like, <laughs> where the hell do you find these like <laughs> six by eight or something? Legs. I'm like, what the hell is he making this out of? And then I yeah, it's a shadow. Been, Never mind. It's a it's two by L. four, <laughs> two by four and two by six put together in an L shape. <laughs> and it absolutely looks like a monster workbench base. Like, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's faux. <laughs> Let's go with that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Fancy so we'll legs. see how the rest of that goes. Right on. Uh, Shannon, what do you got going on? Uh, well, first and foremost, I spent last week in Vegas <clears throat> at the unfortunately named IBS show, the International <laughs> Builder Show. Um, Depends on where you eat. Yeah. May or may not be a problem. Yeah, but th that was, you know, one of those just ginormous trade shows. Like one side of the hall yeah. or the other is like five miles. Um, I remember 
walking there from my hotel and I entered like the far corner of the conference, uh, Vegas conference center. And our booth was on the other end. It was a 48 minute walk indoors oh, geez. before I made it Sounds to the other right. side. Um, so I don't That's actually long. know that mileage, but I know that I can run five miles in about 48 minutes and I wasn't running. So <laughs> it's a long way, <laughs> but, uh, wow. yeah, so <clears throat> little, little worse for wear right now from all that talking, but my exciting news is I'm building a side table um, and I'm doing this kind of new uh, format. We've had group builds in the hand tool school before where basically just people like, hey, I want to build this. Anybody else want to build it? And they just kind of, you know, moderate themselves. And occasionally I'll pop in and decide to build it too. Um, but this is a little bit more formal, trying to turn it into kind of like a classroom session. You know, like if you take a woodworking class, generally the instructor will say, okay, here's what we're going to do today kind of show a little demonstration and then, okay, go back to your benches and do it. And like the instructor wanders around and kind of helps us things go. And it's kind of the method we're, we're going to try to do here using zoom. Um, so I'm two, two sessions into it. Uh, we talked about building a story stick and talked about some design, uh, iterations and things like that. Cause people are all building different versions. And then, um, this last session was all about making the legs and tapering the legs and things like that. And, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of excited. It's, it's, it's definitely still like the, the final product will still be a series of videos of me building a table, but it's a little bit like live streaming. And the fact that there's a chat room there and there are people actually asking questions, it changes how I present certainly, um, because I, I have people who are there at the moment, but I don't think it would work in like a really crazy detailed build, but like you know, a lot of pieces of furniture, like in this case, there are four legs, right? You build one leg mm -hmm. now repeat it three more times. So in this particular right. format, I can do one leg and then say, go forth and make three legs. And I don't, you don't need to see that, you know, it, it's pretty much the same. So I'm, I'm kind of um, excited to see how it turns out or importantly, what kind of the final product looks like and how, um, like how, uh, how useful it will still be if you're not there in the moment, like participating yeah, after the fact. So, yeah, it, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's little twist on, on the same kind of idea of doing video instruction, but I'm hoping that it will, uh, give it a little bit more interaction. It's funny how, you know, the pendulum swings both ways. We joked a couple episodes ago about back in the Ustream days when people just used to turn on their webcam and work. I've got a, I've got a <laughs> zoom session that runs 24 hours a day on the hand tool school now. And, you know, of course, since I set it up and I haven't bothered to tweak my notifications, I get an email every time somebody joins a session and there are people in that chat room for whatever all day long because uh, i mean there's students on six continents and all different time zones so it's it's kind of crazy how you kind of like when like mark when i say that and even matt you remember this you know we remember those Ustream kind of days and then it kind of fell mm -hmm. by the wayside and the current iteration current generation of woodworkers don't really know that or remember that and they're like loving it um, I've got mm -hmm. like, there's, there's a woodworking. It's come back around. Yeah, it has. It has. So there's people <laughs> working and chatting in their shops. Um, a bunch of people all on their own have formed a woodworking book club and they're, they're like meeting on Sundays. <laughs> so Actually, nice. I think they're meeting right now, uh, discussing a book. There's a shop tour club that gets together and just like asks questions about shops and things like that. It's, it's really, I don't know. It's kind of neat. I, I love it when these community type stuff that, you know, I've obviously built this community over the years and now it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. And these guys are just having a grand old time. It, it literally is just like an old woodworking guild, probably a little bit more active because <laughs> they're just right there in their <laughs> shop. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of exciting. So this is hopefully uh, a little bit of an extension of that. Um, still, still call it in, in an experimental phase, but it, I'm certainly having fun with it. That's cool. That yeah, sounds like a good, uh, good opportunity for people to take advantage of. Hopefully maybe. Cool. Matt, what do you got going on? I'm waiting. I don't around, know. You know, I don't know. Just waiting just for stuff. Just waiting for your turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am. I'm waiting for molding knives for the molding machine to come in. Um, I ordered some flooring knives and some back cutters and some additional knives for the cutter heads because kind of the like, like with everything like it they, they get you with all the tooling. It's like the mm -hmm. machine doesn't come with like anything. Oh, of course. And like. You can drop all kinds of money on in cutter head inserts and knives and all kinds of crap pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I, I spent about $1,500 on cutters and knives and everything. Mm. The, um, the machine has a top cutter and a bottom cutter, like a planer cutter mm -hmm. or whatever. 
it only ships with two knives. It's got it's got four slots. Really? So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess if I'm not using the the slots for additional molding knives, so you could have a a cutter knife and a molding knife in one pass. I guess I'll just fill them with the regular knives and maybe get better cut quality, like on the top cutter. I'm not planning on actually putting any kind of profile on top of a piece of flooring. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll get those. So like that was like what you need the knives and the gibbs. Mm-hmm. So it was like 200 bucks or something to make that a four knife cutter head from a two knife. Then I'm like, I need some additional back cutters. Then I, I guess I could just buy a whole nother set for a grand of like all the different profiles and shapes and things for the side cutters. Then I'm like, well, if I'm waiting this long anyway, I should get like actual flooring knives for the side cutters because the ones from Woodmiser are just tongue and groove. So it doesn't have the nail slot. It doesn't have the um, the relief cut on the bottom for like the crap to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And putting everything together. So I'm waiting for those two. So it's it's been a very interesting like little bit of a dive for me because I started setting up the machine without realizing I didn't have everything I needed. And I'm setting up the machine like it was like setting up a jointer and then setting up a planer, you know, mm-hmm. getting all the knives aligned, getting them all the right height from the cutter head. And then you got to align the side cutters and get the heights right. If they're going to be matching for like tongue and groove. And that's done with shims. So you got to <laughs> shim one cutter head up or down. And then you got to make sure like the fences are parallel. And then it's, it's a it's a whole thing like mm-hmm. this is a lot. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it, and this is a loaner tool, right? Yes, yeah. I borrowed it from a friend of mine. Um, mm-hmm. They ordered it uh, a year before they got it, so like there was that much lead time on this thing. So they ordered it. It took a year to show up. When it showed up, they're like, "Yeah, I don't got time for this." So they ran like <laughs> one sample board through or a couple sample boards, and then it sat there for six months. Then I'm like. Because originally I'm like, oh, you guys just got this. Can I bring my big stack of flooring down and we'll run it? They're like, yeah, sure. We'll figure it out by the time you need that to happen. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> nope. They haven't they haven't got to it. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I texted him like, hey, I got my flooring already. When can I come down and do this? He's like, like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that for you. I'm like, oh, God, okay. Like, maybe shot in the dark. Can I like borrow it from you? I'm like, there's no way in hell he's going to say yes to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no problem. That sounds fine. I'm like, whoa. There you go. Okay. <laughs> can't can't hurt to ask. Nice. That's I normally I wouldn't have. I'm like, oh, I just oh whatever. I probably say no, whatever. I'll find someone else to do it. And I said yes. I'm like, he's like, yeah, you can you can like figure out how to use it and like teach us how to use teach it when you bring how. it back. Yeah, that's like, exactly oh. what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And maybe maybe Well, you're not gonna are you're not gonna keep that extra stuff you bought. I was gonna say right? you could like probably you're gonna sell that. You're gonna send going, it back that's with those. all going back with it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my, a bonus. Thank you for letting me borrow this gift. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Here's a whole other box of knives. Have yeah. fun. Wow. Thank there you. you go. Now is this is this a forehead molder or it's a forehead, yeah. Forehead. All right. Yeah. And what kind of are you getting high speed steel knives for these? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not dropping some crazy money on the carbide ones. Yeah, well, uh, my Sounds thought crazy was, enough. My thought was, well, I mean, you're not running that much flooring, and it's a loner. But like, you also have to think about resharpening. Like, that's a oh, whole sure. yeah. other really expensive thing because uh, you've got the you've got to index those knives so exactly that you have to account for every like micrometer yes. of steel that you remove, or it throws off the entire molder. Yeah, see, this is the I, stuff I like think a lot of people consider them disposable on that machine. Well, anytime you get like professional millwork done and people are like, well, what is this line item for setup fee or what is all this stuff? It's a serious deal to change knives between runs. So like when when you're like, well, I'm only running 500 linear feet. All right, well, there's an extra charge for that. Well, what are you talking about? You know, it takes you like no time to run 500 feet exactly, which means the molder, if it's a 30 minute setup time <laughs> and an eight hour workday and you're changing that setup like six times, you don't get very mm-hmm. much done. So like, actually, when we, um, we actually have like a, a timed interview, like when people come in, molar operators come in to, to apply for a job, we make them set up the <laughs> machine. It's kind of like, <laughs> how quickly can you do it? And you know, you try to do it. Go. You know, it's not like, like there's a guy with a stopwatch right there. Now go, you know, but like how familiar are you with it? And really the, what separates molders like the big dogs from the, you know, the $150,000 molders from the $65,000 molders is that mm-hmm. setup speed that like the push a button and everything just comes together. And, you know, you've got mm-hmm. you upload your CAD drawing into it and it 
yep. sets everything for you. And all, all a Mulder yeah, operator I, I, does I at that point is that do now, a like, planar run-up. It or, would be almost impossible to reset this machine to a prior setting. Oh God. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. There's no, there's no like, index points or anything like that. It's yeah. It's a, it's a nightmare. And we have, wow. we have uh like a brand spanking new eight head, like fully hit a button, read the CAD drawing and it sets it up for you molar. And then we have a 30 year old molar that is just the exact opposite. And it's like, <laughs> and it's, it's not even, it's, it's like cranking, you know, like a micro adjust thing to move it in and move it out. And yeah, we basically use that to just groove decking. It's <laughs> just yeah. take, take an S for us, E for A board and put a groove in the side. That's all we use it for. That's, it. That's all we need. Yeah. yeah. Shannon, do you guys um, sharpen and grind that stuff in house? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We grind okay. our own blades and everything. And we've got a, uh, we've got a 3d printer to create like templates. And then the grinder has a mm-hmm. follower that will actually, okay. really? you know, grind cool. according with it. There is Dang. some freehand grinding cool. that goes on, not really freehand, but you know, for straight knives and things like that, we're not using the follower thing, but for some of those really intricate things, uh, technically it yeah. can, you can actually set it up to load the CAD drawing into the molder. And at the same time, it communicates with the grinder and it will actually be sharpening while you're running. Um, so that, yeah, that's major, wow. major dough that we thought, that's crazy. I don't think we need to go that far, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you can you can pretty much almost entirely eliminate the human from the mill workshop now. I mean, there are there are operations <laughs> out there that run hundreds of thousands of linear feet like an hour, and there's like seven guys in the building. You know, it's just nuts. Yeah. Robots doing everything. Skynet's taking over. Nice. <laughs> mm, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah. Chat GPT millwork.com. <laughs> <laughs> perfect so matt what's the deal with this big heavy metal table you're flicking around your yard you like that that's a, yeah, that's a torsion that's pretty box sweet. <laughs> that's pretty yes. pretty sweet it's a torsion yeah. box he's uh he's changed the game again folks <laughs> i i have been uh, i've been wanting a welding table for a while it's always been like a thought of like space and like yeah. having that thing in the shop too but now with the barn i'm like oh if i need to like get it out of the shop. I can just move it in and out with the, with the skid steer or whatever. Um, so I, I ordered this welding table over Thanksgiving. They had a sale, of course. So you got to pull the trigger then and they make them actually, they make them like an hour from me, which is like, I, after I ordered them, like I saw the address on the company. I'm like, Oh, that's not that far from here. That's weird. Mm-hmm. But it's all uh, laser cut steel. And the, the top is basically like a dog hole thing. Right. So you have two inch, uh, half inch holes on two inch centers across the whole thing. And then the, the structure, the understructure of it is laser cut tap and slot ribs. So then, so you just drop all this, the, um, what are the ribs in and clamp them down to the top. And that forces the top into flat or to whatever flatness tolerance the laser cut onto those ribs. It's oh, actually nice. a pretty slick way of like doing it. Cause you Sweet. just, that was kind of like the weird thing like that I realized as I was doing it. Like a lot of people were like, how do I make this thing if I don't have a flat table already? I'm like, right. As I'm looking at this product, I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you really need one mm-hmm. because like it's so self-aligning and it, if the, unless the laser cuts it wrong, like it should be fine. Yeah. Unless you have right. like a burr hang up somewhere. But then like walling tables take you, it's like the other extreme of like, what kind of work are you doing? You need like the flatness level that you think you need. Right. So like when I checked mine, I was flat to within a thou and a half with a feeler gauge across almost the entire length. And I have a 20 thou drop off at the ends. And I was like, I guess I could tweak that. But I'm like, I don't that the, I'm used Probably to right. and fixturing like on the floor, <laughs> on the right. ground, like on relative. the ground. Like it's it's all relative. Yeah. Like this is orders of magnitude more precise than what I've been doing. So I'm like, right. that's. I, I'm not making a rocket ship. I'm I'm fine with that. So it was, it was a lot of like, you don't need it to be that flat. If all you're doing is like little fun things around the shop, doing little things, but if right. you're doing like actual Do you even precision have the welding work, skill? you're probably not even looking at this table to begin with because yeah. it's not going to be flat right. enough for you to, to start with. Right. It's kind of yeah. interesting. Kind of going back to your assembly table torsion box sure. comment. Well, one of the things we always say is like, well, you're a woodworker, not a metal worker. Like you don't need <laughs> that level of flatness, but clearly certain metal workers aren't necessarily going to need that level of flatness either. But 
Um, yours is definitely better than mine <laughs> in terms of flatness. Uh, two layers of plywood and some Formica. Things aren't going to be perfect. But going, like, that's the thing. It, it, I haven't needed it. Like, I've assembled some pretty large pieces of furniture in the last five, six years mm-hmm. and haven't had a torsion box. I've done it on a very, like, not flat floor. So it's like, if whatever you're doing, if it can work on a floor, as long as you get something that's mostly flat and you're assembling on that, you're probably going to be totally fine. Well, it goes back to like how flat is a floor is going to live on. <laughs> exactly. That's the, uh, the X factor. <laughs> yeah. Right? That was the, the thing that here's the problem I have. <laughs> that was with, what um, I always wondered. One like, piece, one piece of furniture that I have a problem with is the sideboard. The word sitting on the floor right now is twisted. The floor is twisted. Yeah. Right. So it causes those four doors to like, Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you know, I have to shim one of the legs to, okay. to tweak it back in the, into flat yeah. because it's, it's got a low spot in the floor. That's what I tell people too, when I build stuff wrong and I you know, <laughs> got to get the doors to work. <laughs> right. It's, it's the floor. It's the floor. It's all the floors. <laughs> totally the, the floor. <laughs> I just want to point something out here, Matt. Ah. So a while ago, quite a while ago, I, I get a, I get a cherry picker and then Matt gets a telehandler. <laughs> I get a Felder planer. Matt gets an industrial molder. I built an assembly table. I borrowed it. No, no, no. You're ruining my joke. <laughs> okay, um, I'm ready. I built, <laughs> I built an assembly table, and Matt makes a thousand pound flat welding table. What's going on over here? Do you remember what was that two episodes keep, ago keep when we talked Spank about Gallo? YouTubers that like post the same video? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Matt, like just guess, weeks after. Yeah. Kind of what it is actually. It's that's actually coincidence. Kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> How did, how is that it a happen? coincidence? I don't think so. You know what the problem is? I'm letting all this info out early on social media. Yeah. And I know you follow me. So you start making plans as soon as you see that. I don't think By that's the time how I make... it works. I had these things in the works like long beforehand. It all just no happened to somehow come together now. Somehow. It is a, it's a funny coincidence yeah. is what it is. Coattail whisperer. We should, that's, that's we should plan doing. something. <laughs> we should actually strategically do it intentionally and just see what happens. Oh boy. Well, that's all great. Um, so we got a little kickback, right? Um, Shannon, why don't you grab this one from Jason? Sure. This is from Jason. He says, uh, let me say that I too am a member of the Wood Talk Sadist Society as I found your show right around when you quit the first time. I love that there's a first <laughs> time there. Um, it's <laughs> and then I started listening from episode one. By the time I caught up, you had unquit. So I've listened to every episode. Should uh, Wood Talk commission patches or stickers? There, there we go. Yeah. We'd have to figure out how you that. can prove you know, it's it's all in the stare, that thousand yard stare. If you've actually listened to all the shows, you're dead. You're dead in the eyes. You gotta, you're a little dead in the eyes. Send us yeah. a selfie and we'll be able to tell if you've listened to all of them. Um, so uh, Jason goes on to say, I wanted to thank you for your exceptional credibility. You mentioned the negative credibility experience of, say, Shannon recommending something like a bad axe saw and some guy getting one ka-ching and then hating it. Uh, I, I thought he was actually being serious. I'm like, I can never... Honestly, you know, pat on Mark Harrell's back. I can never remember anybody saying they didn't like their bad axe saw. Anyway, <laughs> right. um, I want to say that I have had mostly positive credibility buys with you guys um, uh, and actually have had hyper positive credibility moments as well. Uh, I shared wow. this on Instagram and Mark replied the the flipping Merle miter clamp is the absolute stone cold. Don't bother with anything else. Solution for picture frames. Son of a gun <laughs> is that if that isn't the that right man. answer. I say this is God damn. <laughs> God damn. God damn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I say this is hyper positive because if I look back, the three of you almost always have the right answer for what I'm trying to do. And I found myself getting irritated with myself if I don't follow your recommendation. Once I do try it your way, I usually end up saying to myself, son of a hey, he, she, shim, whatever, did it again. <laughs> a final example, after several batches of questionable hand cut dovetails, I'm making Matt's freaking 10 second jig. I'm done reinventing <laughs> the wheel. So thank you for being so reliable and credible. Keep it up. I appreciate your content because, because you guys actually make cool stuff the traditional way. I mean, with actual joinery and hardwoods, not some cedar pocket screwed together. Well, thank hmm. you, Jason. Uh, let me add to this that Jason was one of quite a few people who had a similar sentiment. I certainly wasn't going to put all that on there because our heads are big enough, but it was just nice to <laughs> kind of get yes. that. That feedback, Jason's comment kind of summed up about, I don't know, six or eight different emails that I read through. So uh, sorry if your email didn't make the cut, but you didn't use words like son of a and God ding in it. So <laughs> <Diggity. laughs> <laughs> well, you hear that? Follow our advice or else. Yeah, there you or go. Or else. 
There you go. That's your warning. Um, you know, funny, we did have one person on YouTube make a comment that in one of our answers to a question, this was the finishing uh, one side of a board question, um, took us to task for doing what we said we, you know, people are always doing on YouTube. And that's just kind of giving answers without having proof. And it was a weird, a weird accusation, a weird uh, thing he was trying to say, because in order for us to not answer it that way, we would have had to sit here and list all the reasons and all the projects we've done in the past that substantiate our advice. And it was just a weird thing to call us out on. We're doing a, you know, an hour long show. We're answering tons of questions. If we had to give our resume before each answer, this isn't going to be real fun for people, <laughs> you know? So it was like, I totally get it. But, you know, I think if you listen to this show long enough, that's where the credibility comes from. You, you get a piece of advice, test it. If we're wrong, tell us about it. You know, most of the time, I think it's not a matter of being wrong. It's a matter of you might find that you have a different preference, right? It's uh, I don't think any of us, any of the three of us are going to say, give a piece of advice that we haven't actually seen proof of or, you know, something like that. So sure. um, it's just hard in this format to really give evidence of things as opposed to simply answer the question and then move on to the next question. I think but yeah, it was, that's actually one of the things that I've been enjoying about this like group build format is like, I'm doing something like my process is this. And like, while I'm chopping mm -hmm. on a mortise, somebody in the chat room says, well, could you try it this way? And usually the answer is yes. Like there's a thousand different ways to do things. Um, and really there's no one wrong way, but there's a lot of experience and I, you know, maybe you get set in your ways and you try one thing one way. So yeah, what Mark is saying is fantastic. If you have doubts, try it. And if it works, share yeah. it. And if it doesn't work, share that too. Um, I can tell you personally, as far as finishing the board on one side, I don't, I don't need to try that anymore because I have lots of clients at McIlvain who do that all the time. And then write in, why did my board come so badly? I finished the top side yeah. of the deck. And you're like, yeah. That's why. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Well, Shannon, would you say that you're the founder of the hand tool school? Uh, I guess. Yes. It's not going to be a good one. No. There's a uh, there's a Founders Day event going on at Rockler. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. I didn't even know where you were going with that. Until <laughs> I was like, now. where the hell is he going with this? Wow. Like, yeah, I've incorporated it. Wow. Yeah, I'm the founder. <laughs> I had no, there was no connection, guys. I'm just, just trying to make a show here. All right. I mean, <laughs> well, Rockler stores are hosting a special Founders Day event on Saturday, February 18th. From 9 to 11 a.m., you could register in-store for a chance for to win. <laughs> yeah, just for Shannon. Okay. Uh, you could register in-store for a chance to win some free gear. You could view woodworking demos and more. Plus, they'll have some of their top tools at discounted prices. If you're not near a store, you can still shop some of the great deals all month long as part of their Founders Day sale at rockler.com. Very nice. And anybody, feel yeah. free. The Photoshop people who want to like put me in like a Founders Day like colonial powdered wig. You know, give me <laughs> oh, geez, a little mouth <laughs> right, looking right. thing with like a hand tool school logo. I will use that in my day to day marketing. <laughs> yeah, I will absolutely use that. So this is coming up fast, though. February 18th from nine to 11. So make sure if you got a Rockler store nearby, definitely go check that out. It sounds like it's uh, going to be a pretty good time. Yeah, Coincidentally, that's my first triathlon of the season, too. So if you're if you're not at Rockler, feel free to come by the. Did you say did you say Firth triathlon? I, I did, my first triathlon. <laughs> Okay, I thought so. Yep, yep. <laughs> I just I, okay. I can't, I can't, I can't dictify quite well when I, when I see your faces, it throws me off all the time. All you're oh, doing uh, this whole hour is dictifying. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get to our questions. Let's get away from first the popular ad before we first ones for Shannon. Yeah. Quick, quick. <laughs> okay, let me 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 me. Let me get my <laughs> my 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 dictifiers going here. This is from Chris. He says, I have a question about your best recommended practice for cutting mortises into the legs of a small end table type piece where the legs flare slightly outward as they move down from the tabletop to the floor. If the legs were designed to be perfectly square, I would cut mortises normally at 90 degrees to the face. But if I do that on the leg designed to be angled outward, uh, a mortise cut square to the face will sit square to the tenon in the end of the mating style. Wow, that's going to get confusing real fast. Basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's need a visual. He's got legs that are at an angle, and if he cuts the legs, you know, square in, then obviously the legs won't ang uh, angle. He says in the past, I've slightly oversized the lower edge of the mortise to allow the two pieces to mate as desired. In other words, mating a slightly loose fit so that you can rotate the piece in there. Um, 
how would we go about doing this? So I, I kind of specific- hold on. How does that work? Well, yeah. How would that work? That, that's like what I'm about not the shoulder? This at all? I'm sorry. Exactly. So I can see over you oversize the mortise, and you can get that angle. But what about where the shoulder meets the leg? That was my next question. He doesn't mention the shoulder here at all, and I think that's the okay. most important part. So there's a couple things you can do here. You can either angle the mortise, or you can angle the shoulder of the tenon. Um, I personally prefer to angle the shoulder of the tenon because chopping angled mortises is just harder. Uh, especially for me by hand, um, it's not hard, but it's just harder than chopping them straight 90 degrees in. You know, the one thing that I'm always telling my my hand school people is 90 degrees is still an angle. So 88 degrees is an angle. I mean, if, if you're just chopping to a line, it really shouldn't be that big of a difference. But let's be fair. We're all conditioned to kind of chop straight up and down. So chopping at an angle is just a heck of a lot harder. So it's so much easier to saw your tenon shoulders at a slight angle and have that tenon mate the mortise. So the mortise is still 90 degrees to the face of the leg, but now the shoulders of your tenon and therefore the end of the tenon are at a slight angle. Um, although technically, you know, the, the, the tenon bottoming out in the mortise is probably one of the least important aspects of uh, a tenon fit. It's about that cheek to sidewall of the mortise fit and certainly the shoulders. If the shoulders are coming up tight and you've still got a quarter inch gap before that tenon bottoms out in the mortise, you're going to be just fine. Um, but ideally, in order to get that angle to fit, you want to angle the end of the tenon as much as possible so that you've got like a parallel parallelogram between the end of the tenon and the shoulders of the mortise. I would still rather do that because I can visually, I can see that. You know, if you're cutting on a table saw, you can set your miter gauge. You can very easily cut an angled shoulder tenon. Um, you know, there are certainly mortising machines that will angle and all that fun stuff. But to me, that's just a whole lot harder because you're kind of cutting down inside. It's a little bit harder to see. It's harder to pair. It's harder to adjust. So oversizing the mortise, I think, is I said, really, there's no one wrong way. Um, I'm going to eat my words and say that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Not ideal. I mean, you're, you're introducing slop into the fit, which now you're relying a heck of a lot more on the glue to hold it in there. You know, um, mm -hmm. certainly if you've got a good purchase between the cheeks and the sidewalls and the mortise, you're going to get a good fit, but you don't have that mechanical, you know, locking, holding it together that a tightly fitting mortise on both the cheeks and the short cheeks ends of the mortise. I never know what to call those things. Um, <laughs> You know, if it if it fits like a glove, it's going to be a heck of a lot stronger. And the glue is just going to make it super, super strong. Purposely making it loose is just not not a good option, I think. So, yeah, I would definitely mm -hmm. angle the shoulder. What do you guys think? Would you do anything differently? This is a loose mortise and tenon situation for me. <laughs> there you go. Buy a domino. Finding the, the laziest, the Buy laziest path. <laughs> I didn't say a domino. Don't do that. These dowels. Don't don't Xerox the domino. Got it. It's a loose mortise and tenon joint, whether you use a domino or not. Uh, like even if you just use a router um, and you're going into the end grain of the the rail and then into the into the leg, I think it's I think that's the easiest way for most people to wrap their brain around it because you're not you're doing nothing other than chopping the angle on the end of your rail to whatever that angle is, and you're tilting your leg to whatever angle it is, and you are going perpendicular with your mortises perpendicular to that mating surface. So you don't really have to do any thinking about angles. The only, I think, disadvantage to this is if you if you really were to stress these joints and you put this, you know, the method I'm talking about kind of would angle that mortise downward a little bit and the mortise and tenon joint would be kind of at an angle. Um, whereas if you could get that tenon to go straight across, let's say it's an integral part of the rail, um, and then you have downward force on that rail, I feel like it would be stronger uh, if you do it, you know, like Shannon's suggestion, he's got a couple ways there. I think that would be a, technically a little bit stronger, but I always do this with a loose mortise and tendon joint um, just for simplicity. So I don't have to even think about the angle. The the other aspect to that is you can always throw a peg in there, add an additional belt and suspenders, additional mechanical interlock, or even better, yep. draw bore that peg, pull the entire joint into compression and now you're going to fight mm -hmm. dynamic stresses, which I think that's kind of where Mark's getting at. You've got that angle. You're already at a bit of a rack. You know, it's it's going yeah. to pull yep. more on that tenon joint. So throw a jawbore peg in there and you're going to suck that whole thing together. That's the technique that Japanese woodworkers use to keep, you know, temples in earthquake zones together for thousands of years. So I think maybe <laughs> right. you'll be okay with your side table. You know, you can now yeah, dance on sure. the top of your side table if you want. <laughs> 
There were times when I did like when I had to uh, dance on your side table. Please say dance on your side table. Yeah, (laughs) that happens most days. I got one back here. I'm about to do it. Um, When I would have to do repairs, um, I would often do like um, uh, restaurants would have, you know, uh, bar stools and like uh, chairs from the restaurant that would just get beat up. And everybody's leaning back on these things constantly. Um, So many of these, the only reason they didn't fall apart under one of the patrons is because there was, you know, a peg driven through the joint. And I would have to then knock that out, do the whole repair. Um, And that's why I've thought about that for anything that's really a high stress thing. Sometimes that peg is the only thing that's going (laughs) to stop it from falling apart when it when that time comes. Okay. Um, We're on to Matt. Who's next? Matt, you're up. Good. Okay. This is from Robert. Robert has nearly the whole bull. Boule. The whole boule. (laughs) (laughs) In one to two inch, four quarter to eight quarter for the wood nerds of Pacific Northwest Black Walnut. The cap, not sure the correct term. Uh, The traditional stores would call that the slab. The cape which is weird for everybody else that uses slab for like a big old piece of wood with two flat faces. Um, uh, anyway, the, the cap piece, the slab varies in thickness from edge to four inches to too pretty to waste or burn. So I'm looking for ideas for best use of the wood. I'm currently thinking of flattening the cut side by hand as best as possible and sending it to the planer until I'm left with the board. This would be a lot of waste and time. Appreciate you guys for your humor. Love of woodworking. Hmm. An occasional woodworking discussion. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> Every now and so then. I, we hey, we're two for two on woodworking discussions today. Come on. <laughs> right? We're doing pretty good, yeah. I think. So I is this bark so. on the outside? Is that what we're yes, talking about? Yes, that would be the, the cap piece or the slab would be the, the first cut off the log or the first cut that has the exterior bark side of the log on it. So you have a flat, a flattish face or it was flat when it was sawn and you have some kind of semicircle type thing that is the, the shape of the log. So, I mean, this is, it's a piece of wood. You can make it whatever you want. It's just that curvature on the outside of the log kind of makes it a little bit goofier. And just keep in mind, especially with black walnut, like that's all sap. So you're going to have like, you get some pretty nice white looking walnut out of that. Um, also, it's full so, of sugars and things that bugs love. Just keep that in mind too, mm-hmm. as you're storing and drying it. Sorry. Does man. he say it's already dried or... I don't know, but air dried for nope, never. I mean, unless it's been kiln dried, uh, <laughs> it's still you know there there could it still might be been, bugs. I, I assume for this question, that you had the whole bull, yeah, kiln dried, but I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I don't trust bugs, <laughs> kiln dried or not. They don't trust you. Yeah, no, they mm-hmm. don't. They love you. Heard that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you want to use this again, you can always resaw it so you can bring it back to the sawmill if you don't have one of those makes a lot of people have these bandsaw things in their shops i actually did this quite a bit back in the day where i would just like if i was at a sawmill and like i go to their burn pile and they have like exactly this like that's a huge chunk of wood that is not worth it for them to saw another little tiny board out of but i can take it home and i can make a piece that i can put into cutting boards out of it or just Mm -hmm. get like a, a two inch wide by a four quarter thick board that's it out of that. Okay, cool. It was free. Free. <laughs> after after all that. So you can resaw that thing into uh, whatever thicknesses you want out of it. You can do your, your planer thing. If you're a turner, you can get turning blanks out of it. Um, I mean, to be honest, a lot of like the trendy charcuterie stock these days comes out of this crap wood uh, as a way to make some use, get some use out of it. So... There's, there's definitely a lot of uses there. You just got to cut it up into something usable. One thing I did, I did a project using one of these things. Um, I don't know when that was, probably six years ago. I made a bench out of it. I call it the live face bench. So I just wrapped the bark side to the underside and I cut two legs on the end and did like a waterfall joint. <clears throat> nice. So I've, I've yeah, made uh, floating it. shelves out of those things. Yep. Um, that would work. Yeah, it works really well. I've got one right there. Ooh, for the image. Look at this, look at this visual stuff. Floating Whoa, shelf. Whoa, look at that. This is not a visual medium. What are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I'll put it away. Oh, wait, that's right. We are I now. like this. Yeah. Todd, yeah, that's cool. show my bench. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, that's on Instagram. Go ahead and feel free to do all you that actually, like, work. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> You're going to have to email that to Todd, just letting you know. Okay. Are you good? Yeah, whatever. Oh. 
Okay. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All right. So got a question from Matt. Not that Matt, oh, different Matt. Hello. Uh, he says, Mark's hybrid workbench slabs. And actually this, I will be leaning on you for this one a little bit, Matt. Okay. He says, I'm able to buy a four inch by 10 inch by 16 foot ash slabs that are, uh, he quotes this, air dried for 30 years per the seller for very cheap, 60 bucks each. Oh. My question is, do you see any issue using these? <laughs> like it's too thick. Uh, movement once cut open, even though they have been air dried for 30 years. Uh, they're about an hour away from me, so I plan on buying if I make the trip. My moisture meter will go with me, but I understand it won't be a thousand percent right since it's not a fancy high dollar one. I have access to the tooling needed to make them out of the slabs, large jointer at a neighbor's and my 15 inch planer. I know Matt does slab bench tops, but who's got time to keep up with what that guy does? <laughs> if they turn out to be to be a bust or you guys talk me out of getting them, I've got four quarter ash and about five gallons of type on ready to build it once I stop trying to keep up with Matt and finish my house edition. Thanks for the podcast. Hey. Makes my 75 minute drive to work suck. Not so much. I'm working right. on a house edition still. <laughs> sort of. It's on pause though, isn't it? Yeah. For the moment. I'm waiting for Walder knives now. Um, okay. Blame it on the knives. That's good. <laughs> I have that's, been. It's nice. That, that's, <laughs> that's the same as when Cousin Eddie says he's waiting for a job in management. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. right <laughs> waiting on okay, knives. So, so you're unemployed in other words <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty yes. much well we talked about this before he is a stay-at-home dad that's true that's true right Big time that's not mince words that's a, here. That's a noble um, pursuit. so sl- ash slabs that I, like i would have a hard time not trying this heck yeah uh i mean if it truly is dried and let's say even if it goes a little bit haywire after you cut this thing down, you probably got some some room to mill it again and flatten it out. This reminds me of uh, Schwarz's. I can't remember which one of the thirty workbenches <laughs> he he built in the, the last five the years. French oak bench thing, like yeah, it? there was one that he did. It was actually a video that I saw where he had full size slabs that he was using, and it was like, man, can you imagine? And this is like what what Matt does with his uh, prepared slabs that he does the the treatment on to make them ready for a workbench. I mean, to not have to glue up all those pieces to make that top. Yes, please. I'll take two, you know? So I think if you got a chance to get this stuff, I don't see any red flags in what he's told us. I I actually think it would be great. Especially because you're making a workbench and, you know, dependent upon the the style of workbench you're making, they're pretty much designed to expand and contract. But like, it's funny, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting at my workbench right now and I can, you know, I laminated the top because that was, that was all the rage 12 years ago or whenever the hell it was. Um, but you could see how I got tired of gluing how things up. How much work could that be? Right, yeah. And <laughs> right? like the first half of the bench is glued up with eight quarter material. And you could see I got frustrated because the second half, I went and bought 16 quarter ash from the local <laughs> sawmill. I was just like, screw this stuff, you know. Screw this <laughs> And now, and right. that was fantastic. I always, I'd say like, if you can get six by eights and people are like, well, I'm going to mill this six by down to a four inch top because Schwarz's blue book, you know, workbench book has them in four inches. Keep it at six inches, man. I mean, if you have yeah. hold fast problems, you counterbore the Go underside it. and it's fine. There, I mean, workbench is about mass. So plus if it's 60 bucks a piece, that's a steal. Yeah, take you can't lose. Like I don't And care. if it doesn't work out for the workbench, you can make other things out of it. Right. Yep. I mean, maybe it's got emerald ash borer bugs in it. So that's fine. Just quarantine it for a while. <laughs> Cut it into other things, you know, no big deal. Right. Yeah, that sounds like a green light, man. I would do it. Go for it, Matt. Plus it's ash. Even if you don't use it, hang on to it in 10 years and it'll be like chestnut. I'm sorry to say that, but yeah, ash is going away. Probably true. All right. Well, family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, baby. So please send us your questions, send us your complaints, send us all that fun stuff. Um, you can go to woodtalkshow.com, fill out the contact form, or just email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. There is also like a, you can DM via Instagram and Margaret pays attention to those and she usually pulls them all together and sends us an email. So there's so many ways to submit your questions and your complaints. Uh, I just feel like there will be complaints. It's just kind of a given around here. 
But uh, mm -hmm. I also want to say and remind you, because I was told earlier in the show that I should remind people that there is now a video oh, version of this on YouTube. Apparently. Attaboy. Attaboy. Apparently yeah. you can go to YouTube and watch it and you can hit that thumbs up and like it. Or actually, is there a dislike button anymore? I don't think there is. I can't remember. I think you can still dislike it. Uh, dislike I think is there, there is, but you don't see it. it. Yeah. We can't see Count it anymore. So you can dislike it all yeah. you want and we won't know. So nah, nah. Uh, uh, anyway, I do especially want to say thank you because all the editing, whether it's Nick doing the, the audio or Todd doing the video or just Margaret curating all this stuff, is a lot of work that goes into this. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying the YouTube show. And I'm very glad that I don't have to do all the editing and pull all the stuff together and come up with thumbnails <laughs> yeah. and all that <laughs> stuff that is part of YouTube now. So thank you to, to Todd, Nick and Margaret. We need like one name for that. Mar do we though? Mar it do God? we though? Mar or not? I was trying to do it and there's no way to do it. No, it doesn't don't, work. Don't bother. Anyway, it's not worth it. Thank you. Thank you to how the is it possible, editing triumvirate. Like, just how is it possible that this, like this, what we do here, actually has the hands of like five people, six people? <laughs> six people to yeah. do this thing that we do, this, this, this crap show that we do. What's up with yeah. that? I don't know, especially considering I do I, only, I do the hand tool school entirely by myself. So right? maybe that's why it takes five people to do this because we're just, we all are too lazy to do it for this side hustle. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think you nailed it. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and watching, and we will see you next time. Very nice. See ya. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. You can literally see yeah, us. We can wave now. Bye-bye. Okay. Literally. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.